You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. to the Pixels and Ink Podcast, episode 272, brought to you by CG Magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Mior, and we have a full house today. So joining us today are Brendan Fry. Hello there. Brian Calhoun. Can I be Stephanie? You can be Stephanie. And uh, Phil Brown. That's me. And Brendan Quinn. Hello, everybody. Hi. So how's everyone doing? I'm doing good. We're supposed to get snow tonight, so that's awesome and makes me excited. Woo, fun. Yeah, that's that's exciting, and we're not the first place to get it, which is cool because usually we are, so that's cool. Isn't I'm sure we'll get a little bit more than you guys up here in the Great White North of Barrie. Nah, I can see that. Well, that's what you get for living there. I'm sorry. I should hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tanners. That's it. I was trying to think of the name of the family in Full House. Oh, okay. Oh. Wow, that was Stephanie delayed. Tanner. There we go. You're gonna be Stephanie Tanner. <laughs> I asked if I could be Stephanie. Oh, of the Full House. Yes. Okay, I thought that's... you just picked a random female yeah, I didn't name. Know and we're just going, going with that. for it. I uh, yeah, sorry, I just sorry, as- I just assumed you were in the process of transitioning into a new friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> you know what makes you really happy about that? Phil mm-hmm. thinks of me as a friend. There you go. Right. Oh, oh Stephanie. This podcast. Stephanie, you and I have been too close for too long for us to be anything else. Ah, uh, Phil, love you too. <laughs> so let's get started with some game news. Um, so a lot of financial reports have been coming out this week because it's the end of Q2. And uh, we have a really interesting one about uh, Ubisoft and Take-Two with their uh, Q2 reports. They've revealed that much of their uh, increased profits uh, uh, margin came from uh, digital sales, especially in-game purchases and uh, DLC. So that seems to be a really interesting trend that's happening a lot with a lot of games. Interesting is a way to put it. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not surprising, and it makes sense, especially when you saw it was like uh, 40 or 60% or like a huge chunk of their income. Um, unfortunately, that just means everybody. Yeah, Take-Two was like 66%. Yeah, so that's like, what, 66% just from GTA Online, probably. That's insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I dropped about 50 bucks in that. Really? Yeah. What'd you buy? Oh, cars. Oh, and an airport hainer. I feel this is a bad use of money. It is. I mean, most... Listen, I fly drones and race them for fun. Most of my uses of money are pretty bad. But that said, the racing in Grand Theft Auto V is decent enough that I do enjoy it on a regular basis, especially considering how much they update that. So, I mean, uh-huh. they throw in two or three updates where you have to actually buy a base in order to continue and play extra, like, and I'm talking story, well-animated missions in their multiplayer. So weird. They bring back cast members from the original game. It's a whole big thing. But you have to get those bases in order to actually unlock the missions. Mm. It's kind of expensive. So in some cases, I will just throw some money at Grand Theft Auto just to make it, you know, go quicker. That's that's, that's the whole thing. It's It's just to make things go quicker. I mean... If you want to speed up a game, then I don't know why you're playing it. Yeah, yeah I don't that, that's why I kind of like just opted not to get involved in the Grand Theft Auto Online. There's no doubt in my mind that it's good. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, yeah. why. That's why I didn't. I just didn't want to get into it because I just knew I'd be sitting here all these years later with too much money invested into it. I'm sure it's great, 
But yeah, I just yeah, I I I can kill people for free in that game, so I choose to go that route. You don't want to go down that dark path, eh, Phil? I don't want to pay for murder. Well, That's I should I should change that. I only want to pay once for murder. Phil wants to get paid for murder. Yeah, I don't want to pay repeatedly to kill people in Grand Theft Auto. I want a one-shot payment payment for murder process. I actually just mostly do racing in Grand Theft Auto. But the new new update was all about airplanes, and I love the skies, so that's why I bought in. Also, now I can get to that uh, airbase, and they don't shoot me anymore. Now, the benefit of getting that, uh, well, giving them a little money to get that that airport hater. Mm -hmm. Sweet. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah, this doesn't really surprise me one bit about the actual news of microtransactions being one of the biggest oh, money no, makers. Not at all. Like, look at how much like loot boxes and all that stuff have kind of grown to prominence. The free-to-play market has really kind of taken over what we view as gaming. Yeah, but yeah, we still haven't seen a reflection on like uh, like base game sale prices when we're you can pick up a game for like. 70 bucks Canadian, between 70 and like 80 bucks Canadian, and then have to do all these in-game purchases. In the- I mean, let's be fair. Yeah. It's, it's not consumer-focused. It's industry-focused. Oh, and absolutely. It, I mean, like, their investors would be angry if they didn't do this. If they were like, no, we're not going to have loot boxes, an investor meeting might call for that uh, CEO's removal. Let's be clear here. <clears throat> There's just too much money to be made from people that want to speed up aspects of the game or get special things in the game. So I, I don't see this trend going anywhere. And quite often oh, when you hear no, about these either. stories, uh, the stories of involving, hey, this studio has decided to do microtransactions in this game. It's easy to forget that also video games are like $50 million a pop to yeah. create. Yeah, mm-hmm. And sometimes, sometimes it's not very easy to get that sort of revenue going. So here's a way for them to actually generate more revenue keep the studios open, keep more people employed, yeah. and also keep the price of video games from increasing more? I mean, look at look at um, Lawbreakers. That was a game I don't that, want to look at that game. No, so. but it was a, a big investment by the studio, and there's like tens of people playing it right now. Tens. That's, uh, yeah, well, I mean... When your game bombs that big, you're not going to make any money off microtransactions anyway. That's very I true. Mean, but, but, I mean, that's the thing. If uh, When you spend that much money on a game and you just don't see a return on investment, that's, this is why these people are, are uh, finding ways to make sure that every game they do make money from are consistently making money from it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And like you said, I mean, as much as we complain about it, it's it's a no-brainer to make money. If your revenue, 50-60% of it is coming from these, you know, a couple hundred million dollars, every company's going to yeah. do it. It'd be stupid not to. Exactly. Nobody's voting with their wallets. Obviously, uh, people who play video games are totally up for this kind of thing, as even some people on the podcast are. So. Yeah. Look at Brian over here. He's part of the problem. Hey. You are part of the problem. You're voting the wrong way with your wallet. Listen, of all the votes that I could have screwed up, I feel like this one is probably the least <laughs> con- concert. Get- What's the word I'm looking for? Consequential. Consequential. Either one of those would actually work. We'll go- it is, I'm going to stop you there. It is kind of a controversial opinion right now, especially with like the fallout of what happened with uh, Shadow of War and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Destiny 2 as well. Like. All okay. these loot box campaigns. Well, and, and Battle Battlefront Two. I mean, II. they they had to change their whole um, like the mechanics behind it because even before release, people were like, "No, we're not. This is nonsense. We're yeah. not going to do this." Well, it was really bad. From what the uh, beta was showing, it would have been really bad. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, like, pay to win for a full-priced game. Does Call of Duty have a lot of loot boxes in it? It does, but they're only cosmetic. Okay, that's fair. I'm, I'm okay um, with cosmetic yeah, stuff. Cosmetic I'm, I'm totally fine with that, too. Um, when I was talking to Michael Cordry from Sledgehammer the other day, he was saying, like, I brought it up. Asked him, I mean, loot boxes are a big issue right now. And he said, they, yeah, they didn't want it to be pay to win. Um, but, you know, they'd be silly not to include it, basically. Yeah, exactly. And in, in one way or the other. And uh, if we can just back this up, like, I don't know, at this point, three minutes, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Destiny 2, completely playable regardless of loot boxes. It's mm-hmm. all cosmetic stuff. Mm-hmm. I know that everyone's willing to like jump on loot boxes as a bad thing right away, but there are cases where it doesn't really matter. Well, exactly. Is Destiny a- Two, perfect example. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> I just don't like the idea of paying for a chance at something. I mean, uh, regardless if it's cosmetic or whatever, you're still like you don't know what you're getting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, but I really that's that's a- part of the draw, right? I mean, look at it this way. If you look at um, Overwatch, people are spending tons of money just to get the exact outfit they want. It's kind of become almost like, what are those uh, claw games or slot machine type things? Oh, absolutely. You know, you're getting something that's meaningless in the, in the end anyways, but you really want that meaningless thing, and you'll put hundreds of dollars to get that meaningless thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as so someone who owns a virtual airport hanger, there is, there is an appeal to actually having that status symbol. Mm-hmm. And that is also kind of like, to be honest, Destiny 2, it's the example I'm going to keep bringing up because we'll talk about Need for Speed uh, payback later. But Destiny 2, it is pretty much a fashion show at this point. I mean, half the fun mm-hmm. is collecting like a set of armor and then showing it off to everybody. Mm-hmm. It really is a fashion show more than a shooter. It's kind of, it's weird. It's really weird. But people are dropping money on it. And if it's those Destiny cases, it's fine. If it's something like uh, Need for Speed Payback, which we'll talk about more a little later, then it becomes an issue because then gameplay is affected by it. So it, yeah. it's not a bad thing. It's just how it's implemented. That's fair. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's very fair. And also, again, as going back to what you were saying, it really does also depend, uh, depend on how the community responds to it. When I was talking to uh, uh, Wargaming this summer, at, at Gamescom, it, we had a very good discussion with um, uh, the producer on World of Tanks, and uh, it was it, one of the biggest issues there and why they do what they do is because they're very responsive to the community, and they listen to them, and they fulfill their needs and, and wants, and if that's what the community wants, then why not do it? So, anyway, let's move along. Uh, Phil, you've got some great movie news for us, right? Oh, geez, we're on me already. All right, yeah, no, I do, I do. <laughs> Tells you guys I'm running a tight ship today. Yeah, 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 no problem, no problem. All right, yeah, now we got a bunch. Um, first is a weird one. This is kind of a follow-up to last week. We obviously had our grand discussion of uh, Kevin Spacey's unfortunate uh, coming out party. And uh, <laughs> there's a weird uh, a weird note here where... Um, uh yeah uh, yeah that that was me typing sorry guys um I, I won't <laughs> well, do, we knew. I won't do that anymore uh I, uh and, <laughs> and anyways moving on so yeah there's a weird uh addition to that story today where um uh, there's a new Ridley Scott movie coming out called All the Money in the World it's supposed to be coming out for Christmas and uh, Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. had a prominent role in that and uh, the the uh, trailers started playing at theaters uh, last week in a really bit of unfortunate timing. 
Um, and I was I was at one of the screens. It was very weird. You could hear everyone get very uncomfortable. And so they're they're doing uh, something pretty unprecedented, which is that they've now hired Christopher Plummer to reshoot all of the scenes that Kevin Spacey was in. And oh, wow. as far as I can tell, they're still planning on trying to get the film in theaters by Christmas. That's insane. Which is crazy. Yeah. That is some tight deadline. There. Yeah, yeah, which is really crazy. I, how how could they? Oh, go ahead. I, well, I mean, like, I'm assuming that like they just haven't said when it's coming out. They just also haven't pulled the release. I'm assuming there will probably be some sort of delay. I would hope so, but I have mm-hmm. no idea because there. Are, this is something they're obviously hoping uh, to get attention during the award season, which again, I'd imagine would be hard to do given the context, but that's neither here nor there. It's just a very, very bizarre uh, and kind of unprecedented moment that, um, you know, I can understand why they'd want to do this. Obviously, there's a lot of money invested. And by virtue of the fact that Kevin Spacey was in it, the movie would just be completely dismissed and disappear. But um, it's just, it just, it's just remarkable how fast these things uh, happen now. Uh, The question is, has Kevin Spacey basically become toxic to Hollywood? Pretty well. Oh, it certainly appears to be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, and I I imagine much like Harvey Weinstein, I don't think that there will be any coming back for him either. I think this is the end of that. Um, So basically, Kevin Spacey's now done. Yeah, absolutely. And especially with like more and more of these allegations coming out every day. I was reading something today about Corey Haim. uh, Corey Haim. uh, Corey Haim, sorry. And Charlie Sheen. And Charlie Sheen, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that that allegation's coming to light now um, through. Well, Feldman's scenes. been saying that for years. Yeah, he never he never named Charlie Sheen, but he wrote uh, about the incident in a book and said what movie yeah. it was and said it was an A list star and Charlie Sheen was the only A list star in that movie. So mm-hmm. I'd kind of I, I thought it was, but just because his reputation that he's put forward um, has always been like, like aggressively heterosexual. I kind of, yeah, exactly. I, I, like, I kind of was like, well, I guess it's him, but maybe it's someone else. But um, I mean, obviously, you know, people put up fronts all the time and this is cl- clearly yeah, yeah. something that's deeply wrong is going on there. So yeah, no, there's that. Um, there's a thing with John, John Travolta that just happened uh, while this podcast was on, which is why, you heard unfortunate typing uh, in the background recently because someone said that to me and I was replying. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was one of those uh, massage things that he allegations right. that came up before. Now people are writing about it again and saying it was uh, like aggressive and uh, there was a payoff involved. Um, so yeah, and then uh, Louis C.K. had stuff this afternoon as yeah, well. Yeah, that's which was rough. Another thing that people have been talking about. For quite a while now, um, never really 100% confirmed, but I mm-hmm. mean, there have certainly been rumors about Louis C.K. doing exactly what he's accused of. Yeah, there were rumors, and like, not only were there rumors, but they were like, uh, the main person that was the source of making those rumors public, like, subsequently, like, denied that that was true. Mm-hmm. So I've been kind of like, I, I, it, I felt awkward about anything involving Louis C.K. for a little while, but I kind of been hoping that these weren't true, yeah. and he had addressed it. But unfortunately, as of today, it's clear um, he's, okay. he's not such can a great we, guy either. Can we just break this down for those who may not be following Louis C.K.? What is he accused of? Um, he, what are the rumors? He's uh, he he uh, masturbates oh, in front it. of women. Um, he, he, yeah. He, yeah, like with the initial rumors were saying that he would lock people in rooms. The stories that were out in the Ooh. New York Times, there was none of that. He actually asked permission before doing it. 
Um, they just, in, in every case, people, the women either felt like coerced into saying yes or like said yes, assuming he was joking and then suddenly realized he wasn't. So it, it's, it's not good. He also has a movie that premiered at TIFF that was supposed to come out this, that was supposed to come out this, uh, next yeah, week. Yeah, they, uh, they canceled that. Yeah, the premiere was canceled and I'm assuming the release likely will be as well because it was a movie he made about, he was, uh, a writer who was obsessed with this uh, director played by John Malkovich who has a reputation um, for taking advantage of young women and his daughter starts uh, hanging out with the director so it's all about um, rumor and accusation right, right. and whether or not it's true and if you can ever know and obviously with him being as introspective and uh, you know self-loathing as he is uh, the movie was clearly inspired by everything that's been going on because um, this has sort of been heating up over the last 12 months um, while mm -hmm. he made the film so, um, yeah, I'd imagine that movie's never coming out, and he self-financed yeah. that, so that's Jeez. not going to be good for him uh, as well. It's, uh, yeah, it's really ugly. Um, and, uh, yeah, this, yeah, this stuff just keeps coming out uh, almost daily at this point, so. Now, uh, it, Jeff, it... Jeffrey Tambor's getting accused as well. That's right, Jeffrey Tambor had one yesterday. It's bad. Although that seemed um, fairly mild, at least so far. They just said it was, like, inappropriate conduct. It wasn't anything... Yeah, severe. I mean, was, from what we've seen so far, for sure. Yeah, the accusations there were comments, and uh, his defense was that it was a, a assistant who he fired, and there was like a revenge thing involved. Yeah, that one. Um, yeah, I mean, like that's obviously not good. It's just he kind of got lucky in that. Uh, I think there have been four since that came out. They're all worse. Yeah. Mariah, Mariah Carey had one yesterday too. I heard about really? that. Really? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. 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 Explain this one. No, explain the Mariah Carey. Um, one. Well, that was it. It was like a former bodyguard. Um, there was a lot of like she didn't pay, she didn't pay all that she owed to the company and like kind of like uh, there was some mild blackmail involved uh, in, in trying to get them to go away and then on top of that like her bodyguard is claiming that uh, she there was a lot of verbal abuse. And also there was like a very like Harvey Weinstein-esque situation where she invited him up to insisted that he come up to her hotel room to help with something. And then she was wearing like an open nightgown with nothing underneath. And there were lewd comments and, yeah. and, and advances made that were unwanted. Um, but I, yeah, I, so she's, I, I she's, highly she's, believe that allegation, too. There's a lot of stuff that's been going on about Mariah Carey and, and just throughout her career. And that makes a lot that fits in with that fits in with the character. Yeah, there's a lot of abuse of power on her end for sure. So, mm. yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. It's uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because it's all it's all all allegations that are like there can be no legal action towards due to statute of limitations mm -hmm. or yeah. In the case of Louis C.K., like what he's done is um is is uh like would certainly be considered um like assault but wouldn't be something that one would go to prison for you know what i mean um yeah. so i think a lot and a lot of this is coming to well it, the, take i mean coming to light taking pa back the whole the power of uh being an underpowered person in hollywood and you know the microaggressions that are constantly surrounding oh yeah women, well, oh for sure right? well it's, so, it's yeah I no mean, it's finding a way it's finding a way to like punish things that their the legal system just kind of had yeah. had ignored for a long time so mm -hmm. it's it's good that it's happening it's just amazing how much is happening all at once and yeah. it's also distressing mm -hmm. that the you know 
that it, it, all this is happening in Hollywood. Meanwhile, the like president of the United States has like just well, as many allegations, like, like has exactly. has more has has more allegations and worse allegations against him than say Louis C.K. But he seems that's, to be doing just fine. It's yeah, like that. I think that was definitely a clear like tipping of the guard was when that happened and he still got elected. So I'm hoping that he faces some sort of repercussions. But, I don't see uh, that happening. Um, who knows? I mean, I, I want well, there the to be. The ideal is that everyone who is proven to have done something like this will fa- face well, some sort of. He's president. He can never pay speech conditions. He's president. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, Bill Clinton did get impeached for a consensual, you know, he got a consensual impeachment yeah. proceedings. Yeah, he never got impeached. Well, yeah, only because his term ran out before they were finished. Yeah, uh, he would have. Yeah. The process was there, and that was for a consensual act. Um, Is Nixon yeah, true. still alive? Yeah. No, no one has ever been, actually been impeached. They always stepped down before that. No, Nixon has been. Nixon, Nixon got impeached. No, no, Nixon stepped down. Oh, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was he well, would have been impeached if one, he didn't right? step down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it was exactly. going to happen. It was just a like a way of, you know, him sort of. I'll like, do this my way. and Exactly. Yeah. Trying to take some sort mm-hmm. of moral high ground. But um Anyway, uh, moving on uh, to a uh, another uh, really unfortunate scandal that's rocking Hollywood right now, and that's the drama surrounding the Fast and Furious franchise. Oh um, yeah. So Ty- Tyrese, who is is <laughs> is very furious about the fact that The Rock is getting a spinoff movie and breaking up the family, has now made it clear that he won't do another Fast and Furious movie if The Rock is involved. The Rock this, is, dra- this family drama is tearing us apart. I know, guys. I know. Like the the so so um, so Fast and Furious is done. Then without Tyrese, there's no way the franchise can. go Well, on. I know that's the other thing is like if they make a Fast and Furious movie without the Rock at this point, I won't see it. So like you know, yeah. well, it, it, but anyway, um, I, I'm I'm really <laughs> hoping this can be resolved because this is. I mean, we're talking about the greatest family in film that was bringing together like the world Guys, internationally like, through their love of family and fast cars and booty shots. So I'm really, really hoping divorce, guys. I'm really, really hoping they clear this up. And I, I feel horrible that Tyrese has put everyone in this position. And I hope Vin can step in and really fix this because ironically enough, I, I think it's because in one of his videos, he was saying it's because his child support payments are like absolutely outrageous. So like Tyrese was saying that, Oh, is that what his thing is? He just is like financially needs the Fast and Furious. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, he was mentioning that in one of his videos that like, yeah, I think he's paying like fifteen thousand dollars a month or something in child support payments. That's and, insane. Yeah, well, that's why like Dave Foley of Kids in the Hall, like his career tanked because he got his child support payments when he was on like news radio and was in a few movies, and then when his yeah, career yeah. dropped off, those payments stayed at the same amount. Yeah. Can he so re- like, did, can't you renegotiate those? No. I don't know how it works, but, yeah, I think it's, like, set at a certain income, and then, yeah, you're you're screwed if you're not making I mean, that it, kind of money it could be like it, it can be, like, renegotiated privately, certainly, but legally, no. So, you're screwed. But there's no way she's going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, less money's cool. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so... Well, I didn't know that. That complicates things further. This is only deepening the family drama to now real world like family real issues family surrounding drama, Fast yeah. and Furious. This is this is a lot, guys. We're living in dark and twisted times here. This, this is a weird it's world. It's a bad timeline, man. Yeah, this is wrong. This is so it's wrong. It's really depressing, and I'm very, very sad. And I don't like the sad news. Move on. No, me neither. Yeah. Well, here's some okay news. So okay, okay news is good. So the it, it starts with something that 
on bold face I shouldn't be thrilled about, which is that they're going to reboot the Twilight Zone. Now, uh, I've heard, I know those news. Continue. Now, I don't love that. But, However, the person in charge of that said reboot yes. is Jordan Peele. Um, which, really? Yeah, which Get Out was, like, could have been a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, yeah. Very easily. So, that interested me. And I know, and he said that since the success of that, that he had a series of uh, uh, social issue based horror stories that he was hoping to make. And initially, it was they were planned to be films, but. I mean, like, if he relaunches the Twilight Zone, that's the perfect pro- platform to do that and I mean, also get fair, other people to do that. The Twilight Zone has been remade, like, three times now. It's true. So, it's not, it's a it's a set of moral stories, basically, that can be retold as many times as you want with new... Well, and you can always pieces. do new episodes. Exactly, and yeah. I think with the success of Black Mirror shows that people are super into that kind of thing right now, especially it's on, true. you know, like, a streaming platform. It's true, yeah. Black Mirror is essentially the Twilight Zone. Absolutely, as it is, yeah. so just with a technological sci-fi bent. Um, so, yeah, so that I'm, I'm that I'm actually interested in. I hope that actually happens. Um, but you know, we'll see. That's that. This is it, it, there isn't actually a network yet. He's just sort of got the rights and is taking it around. But I'm sure it'll happen. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, so moving on. The other big news this week um, was that uh, it was revealed that Disney was in negotiations to buy 20th Century Fox. Um, subsequently, they um, representatives from Disney have said that they are no longer in negotiations. However, the last time there, th- this is obviously all hinged on Disney wanting to get the few remaining properties from Marvel that they don't own. And the last time something like this happened was when the Sony leaks happened, and, uh, and uh, we found out they were trying to get Spider Man back. They said that those negotiations were dead at that time too. And then guess what happened? So. I'm. <laughs> I, I, I don't fully believe that. Um, I'm not totally against it, if only because um, like everyone obviously. Ryan Reynolds did a did a tweet sort of showing what Deadpool would be like in a Disney version, and obviously it it's uh, it's worrying in that Fox has just sort of gotten to this place where they're allowing filmmakers to do sort of R-rated and adult-oriented superhero stories that Disney would never allow. However, I feel like yeah. if Disney wants to buy Fox. They're, they would still be they would be releasing movies through Fox like they own Touchstone um, yeah. and like Disney's name is nowhere involved on that they own it specifically to make movies they couldn't release under the Disney banner I would hope a similar thing would happen with Fox um, but, but, but would that mean Fox, they'd own all of Fox like including Fox News or what no happen? that's well that's another weird wrinkle in the story which is that legally because Disney already owns NBC they could not purchase Fox because that would be considered a monopoly for them to no, own no Disney owns ABC networks. not NBC Sorry, ABC. Yeah, so it would be Comcast considered a mo- owns Universal. NBC. Yeah, yeah, it would be considered a monopoly for them to own multiple networks. So that the Fox and Fox News would remain separate entities. However, that is super what, weird. Well, what's weird about that is yeah, it's but it's not considered a monopoly for them to own 20th Century Fox when there are actually less major studios than there are television networks. But yeah. that's neither here nor there. Um, and also, I'd imagine Disney doesn't particularly want to be associated with Fox News. Uh, I can't just, see it. They, they, it kind of conflicts with their family-friendly yeah. image. <laughs> sort of yeah. doesn't really feel right. So, um, yeah, as to whether or not this would happen, it's hard to say. I, 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 I think it probably will. Um, I think it makes sense for everyone involved. Um, mm. But, you know, after all this came out, I'd imagine they're, they're going to be calming down and we're not going to be hearing about this for a while until it happens or doesn't. They they fired the intern who talked about it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, well. No, 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 I'm kidding. I see, I, I see. I don't know. The, thing is, yeah, yeah. the thing is, I genuinely wouldn't be surprised. 
Um, that would be, yeah. <laughs> it all came down to an intern. After all, there was that intern at Twitter that deleted Donald Trump's account not that long ago. Which so. is amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah that was amazing. That person is, they should have a statue replacing one, yeah. of, the, <laughs> one, of, one of the removed Civil War statues. But um, anyway, that next news story. Um, ugh, skip over that one. Well, okay, yeah. Uh, this is, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't think I like it, which is that at the moment, Amazon is trying to get the rights for Lord of the Rings oh, from Warner Brothers yeah. because they want to make a TV series out of it. Um, that okay. seems weird. Well, chasing that Game of Thrones money, exactly. Yeah. But I just feel like, like the Lord of the Rings movies kind of did it. Like especially the extended versions, there's really barely anything in the books that hasn't yeah. already been turned I mean, into they visual just media. Really something. Yeah, but have you seen a lot of Amazon shows? Yeah, not really. I have to admit. So, exactly. Yeah, and that's partly why they'd probably they'd want something like this because at least it would draw people in oh i, mean, I know the name of this mm-hmm. to be fair, they, sense? they do have a good movie studio movie division though they did do was manchester by the sea they did they yeah. did that and they've um they got just, the top gear guys yeah i just they saw made one some new was, top gear show with yeah, them yeah yeah as, as awesome as top gear used to be it's not really what you don't like oh. joey on top gear well, they have the uh, the world tour, right? I mean, who cares about Top Gear? That's what Top Gear is, or the Grand yeah. Tour, whatever it's called. Um, also, Tolkien's stuff is becoming public domain like really soon. So, oh, really? They don't, yeah, I yeah, think it's like twenty thirty something, give or take. Mm-hmm. So, um, they really don't have a lot of time to kind of make bank on that before anybody can just make whatever they want. Yeah. All the Tolkien stuff everywhere. You guys say that, but now I think about Disney and how they protected their stuff for so long. There is precedent for extending trademarks, so it is Disney. That's true, right? but yeah. yeah, Disney's the one that's done it for Mickey Mouse. That's it what actually yeah. just recently, yeah, th- yeah, th- for th- sure. But they Disney, did it again but, recently, but, yeah. for sure. But that's the Disney Corporation having the money to do that, not the yeah. Tolkien family, exactly. Um, which, like, I understand they obviously would have vested interest in wanting to keep their stake in that pie, but mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. Oh, my mistake. So, The Hobbit will enter public domain in 2032, uh, but the Lord of the Rings trilogy won't be until 2044. Oh, there you go. Well, then That's Amazon... That's pretty the, far away. Oh, yeah. there you go. Then Amazon has like to buy them. Years. Yeah. Then Amazon has yeah. to buy them. That's... Yeah. Let's make this... But anyway, I just... Yeah, I just feel like we don't need that, but... No. Uh, I don't I think I, I don't think anyone's going to listen to me. Um, next but, but up... Amazon needs it, so... <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Uh, next up, uh, Jordan Voight uh, Roberts, the guy who uh, directed Kong Skull Island, uh, mm-hmm. is now going to be directing the Metal Gear Solid movie, um, and he's currently working. Is that on... still happening? It is happening, and he's currently working on the script with his uh, uh, writing partner on Kong Skull Island. It's actually like moving closer to actually Wait. happening. Oh, I bet you Phil. David Hayter is so upset about this news. Phil, I need to know everything any, uh... you know Sorry. about this. This movie, please. That's it. That's Are the actors it. attached? No, no, no. That's it. It's just that, like, he's been talking about it for quite a while. It was clear that he was pushing to try and get it to happen. He clearly has the job now. They're working on a script. Beyond that, I know nothing. Okay. Well, I mean, I agree that uh, I think we've kind of, a, that mine is empty at yeah, this point. There's still lots of content. Like you said, the Silmarillion, or I don't know actually how to say that out loud, but do people care? Do they want it? They're going to be so fatigued after Game of Thrones and the Hobbit movies left a pretty sour taste in people's mouths. Oh, no, we're talking about the Metal Gear Solid movie now. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah no, it's <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was surprised. I was like, fatigued? I don't think there's... Yeah, there no, oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Uh, 
As much as I'm I've really... killed, I've killed the conversation. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, okay. No, no, I'm just, I'm still kind of like, I, I really would love to see a Metal Gear Solid movie, but there's no. Where, where do you go with that, though? Also, the games are kind matter. of a movie as is. Sorry, uh, yeah, more exactly. cutscenes in the game there is play, so you know. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, I feel like it's actually one of the video game franchises where there is actually, I, I think you could actually make a decent movie out of. Oh yeah, I totally think you could. Oh, yeah, absolutely, like, but. But, like, I mean, okay, uh, Assassin's Creed had a phenomenal uh, premise for, like, a movie viability, and they didn't exactly do a great job with that. Well, I mean, the Assassin's... I, I, yeah, I never really necessarily agreed that that had a great premise for movie viability. It is so <laughs> convoluted and weird to try and fit into two hours. Okay, they lot. just did the first one. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, Just yeah. from the first story. Okay, but, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Also, but, I, I... Sorry, continue. Go ahead, Brandon. Well, I was just going to say, there's so much convoluted nature to the Metal Gear Solid franchise, I think you'd have the same problem. In a two-hour movie, nothing would make sense. I could just series. do a two-hours of Fire Whale. Oh, yeah. I could just write this right now. You have no. Solid Snake, young Solid Snake. He goes to that Alaskan base. He sneaks around for 15, 20 minutes. He gets introduced to his brother, who he didn't know existed. There's a giant fight with a giant dinosaur robot. A Metal Gear. Uh, he chases... Like Metal one brother Rexing. chases the other brother down a long highway tunnel thing, and then at the end, the two, uh, the female and the male lead kiss. Credits. It's Can so I get romantic. my money now? Can I get my money now? Yeah, I just feel like with this one, there's like <clears throat> essentially all you really need is the character of Snake. And the concept of a Metal Gear, and you can kind of go from there, and you'd be safe. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like this could actually, I think this could actually be something. I mean, I've said that before about video game movies, and I've been wrong literally every this, time. This you could market though to people without it coming across as like straight video game, like a espionage, yeah. Cold War era spy kind of thriller. Um, a lot of people would see that, and they wouldn't immediately think, oh, it's from a incredibly complex long-running series of japanese video games oh for sure like and enough of it already came from movie influences anyway yeah yeah it kind of lends itself very much so yeah Yeah. so i don't know whether or not it happens uh we'll see but i'm I'm actually okay with Um, but i just can't figure out why if you were going to go this route why not just make the splinter cell film because that's an easier film to adapt yeah i don't think it doesn't i don't think it has the same brand like Tom Clancy doesn't have the same recognition. Yeah, but Tom Clancy, like movie wise, is has his own recognition. That they don't really need to make. Yeah, whereas I, I yeah, yeah right? I agree. Yeah, I mean, they don't need to make any of these. Tom well, Clancy, sure, has, they don't need to make any of this. I mean, Tom Clancy certainly has name recognition, but Splinter Cell, like, like, like you don't see people like dressing up like, Splinter Cell for fun. You know what I mean? Oh, Metal Gear has got a way bigger fandom built around it. A than way more avid fandom. Mm. Yeah. They should just make the movie based off the pachinko machine. Call That'd, be it good. That'd be good. Yeah. That'd Isn't be that good. pachinko machine just filled with like cutscenes in the like last game? No, the third game. <laughs> oh, it's the third game? Yeah. Okay. Built in the Fox engine, so it looks really good. Huh? <laughs> I'm not going to well, argue could, with that. Will Kojima be involved at all? I doubt it. I really doubt it. He's not it. involved with Metal Gear he's, he's washed his hands of it, right? <laughs> I mean, allegedly. He's too busy trying to make naked 3D models of Norman Reedus. With babies. <laughs> Yeah, I, I doubt it. I mean, it's not impossible because, like, Konami will have just sold the rights for this. Um, mm-hmm. So 
it's not like he, he he has no he obviously has no voice into whether or not this movie's made. However, I know Jordan Boyd Roberts is like an avowed huge fan of the series, and I could see yeah. him reaching out to Kojima and getting trying to get some sort of involvement. Whether Kojima has any interest in it, I mean that's a reasonable question. I would assume absolutely not. But till we find out, Death Stranding is actually a Metal Gear Solid. Game. It's been a Diet Rose Konami and. Uh... The new Kojima Productions have been working together the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wouldn't you know surprise me. That wouldn't surprise me at all. He's done weird no. things. Exactly. And he loves that kind of willy wony mystery, who knows what's going on kind of mystique. So, Yeah. All right. Um, I have my last uh, last story here, and then I'll put a cap on this, which is that this, this is just a fun little thing I noticed today, which is there was uh, – there, Justice League is is coming out next week, for better or worse, and uh, people are going around doing press rounds. And there was, I saw an interview with a couple people, one of whom was uh, Ben Affleck, and the interviewer asked him. Uh, <laughs> I, the interviewer asked him, "So, so how many more Batman movies do you have planned? Is it like two more? I believe you you locked into." And he said, "I don't know. We'll see about that." So. I mean, it just gives an impression of how how low the stock has fallen on that particular iteration of the DC universe. I really think, unless Justice League makes like vast, unbelievable sums of money, which it won't. No, uh, no kidding. There, this is the end of this iteration of yeah, the DC sure. cinematic universe, and it's just such a funny turnaround <laughs> because Affleck was so stoked to play Batman at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Was he? Oh, oh yeah, yeah he, oh, was he was over the moon. But okay. I mean, look what happened. Yeah, it ended real quick. Yeah. Oh, I'm just I'm just glad that they they seem to be interested in now like giving up on trying to copy Marvel's routine and just allow and just doing various yeah. standalone films, not leaning into origin stories, just letting people come and do the interesting the characters. Which realistically, like like DC does still do comics and continuity, but all their best stuff in the last 30 years have been standalone graphic novels where people have taken radical approaches to the characters and properties. So I think that's just the smartest way to do it. And, uh, I hope that's what happens, but who knows? Perhaps next week, justice league will break all the records and Ben Affleck will be Batman. Is it, is it out next week? Yeah. Oh my God. See, I had no idea. Like, yeah, they're really downplaying it. I mean, yeah, it's it, it's yeah, yeah I, it's I pretty it sad. Much later, like the last time I heard about it was uh, San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, they well, yeah. After, ever since all the reshoots and everything, the press around has yeah. been so bad. I think they're just kind of like. Well, even that the, the last the last trailer they dropped, um, a lot of people were pointing out very obvious um, evidence of like the cuts of you know what was Snyder stuff and then what was Wayden stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Most certainly. So but also, did we talk about at all the um, what is it? The dark universe is, might be like sidelined right now. Oh, it's dead. I heard. Yeah, that's yeah. done. Yeah. Was it? If it, did they make an announcement, or was they just kind of letting it all just die? Secretly? I don't know. I read about it like a day or two ago. I miss. I don't know if it was an official thing or not. But as far as I know, they're just like, yeah, it's it's over. Why bother? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, after Guillermo del Toro left, Doug Lyman was in charge of it for a while, and then after he quit, there's been nothing No, no, not that, not that, not Justice League Dark, the Dark Universe, the, um, Universal Dark Universe. Oh, the Universal, oh, the Universal Monster Universe. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's pretty well done. Um, they're, like, Universal's not completely admitted to defeat on it, but everyone involved in the Bride of Frankenstein movie, which is supposed to, uh, be next, has either quit 
or uh, or yeah, has quit, and and that's been taken off the release schedule. So, um, I I don't know what their plan is with that. Uh, they they keep talking about it as if they're hoping that that's going to continue, but I mean. I, I I doubt it. I like the mummy was successful enough worldwide that it was a hit. It just wasn't on the level that they were hoping for. And um yeah, I don't know. But at the same time, like they signed they, they had that before the mummy came out, they had that like cast photo with Javier Bardem and Russell Crowe and Johnny Depp and Tom oh, yeah. Cruise. So like they signed all those guys on, presumably to large sums of money and the way and, and I'm assuming they were with the being movie stars of that scale, they were uh, pay-or-play deals, which are very common, which is like, you sign me on, I get this paycheck, whether the movie happens or not. So, right. Oh, so they'll be taking a big they, hit. Exactly, yeah. They'd have to pay all those guys a lot of money if they, if they decide to, if they cut it. If they cut it off completely. Or spend another $100 million on the movie and maybe it bombs and they're out even more, right? Yeah. Like, ex- when do you cut your losses? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, the, the, the thing I did hear that was mildly encouraging was that their refocus was going to be uh, on actually making these monster movies as opposed to making them superhero movies with monsters in them, which... That's probably a right. better yeah, idea. Yeah, I could actually yeah. go for that. That'd actually be great. Um, yeah, whether or not anything actually comes through on that, who knows? But we don't need another Avengers with Dracula. Oh, and- come on! It'd be so cool to have Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe and whoever else Phil mentioned standing back to back in that that the circle shot. The circle kinda, shot. That's the one yeah. I'm thinking of. The one that was in the first and in the uh, uh, James Spade. Uh, who's who's Second. Ultron? Yeah, right. right uh, Spader. Yeah, Spader. yeah, it was Spader. Yeah, th- it was in that one as well. Come on, you can't tell me that having those actors in that shot as it just twirls around them wouldn't be like the best thing ever. That sounds sure, awful. but is it worth paying like you know fifteen bucks to go see that? Probably no. not. I have. No, uh, I'll, I'll wait for the one YouTube clip, watch it once, and go. Yeah, that was that was kind of cool. Well, okay. For movies anymore, so. Sorry, I kind of uh, lost track of you guys a little bit there. I just got a, a new uh, news story uh, sent to me, and um, this is kind of crazy. Uh, apparently, uh, Ryan Johnson, who's directed the, the has the Last Jedi, obviously coming out, which is yeah, the one Star yeah. Wars movie that hasn't been screwed around with. Uh, yeah. a- apparently, he has now signed on to make an entire new trilogy of Star Wars movies. Once the current trilogy is over, yeah, they haven't specifically said if that's going to be like uh, in continuity with this or if it's a different trilogy presumably it's all his concept given that he's both writer and director well they better hope that uh, last jedi is awesome otherwise i mean i think it must be if only because it's the only star wars yeah. like I, I, like they've made four star wars movies so far or just, sorry they've made three star wars movies since uh the force awakens and everyone involved mm-hmm. in every movie not by ryan johnson has been fired so that's a yeah, that's true. And probably it's the only thing that hasn't been it's the only one that they've like completely been behind and haven't hasn't been some sort of like frighteningly frantically re shot edit. So. <laughs> Last minute, hoping totally. So yeah, um, that's crazy. But anyway, hmm. I, I, so that that's actually the last that's news crazy. story. Um, we're done All now. Right. Okay, cool. so that's a good time for a break. We can hear from our sponsors at Buns Podcast Network and Comic Bento. The Pixels and Ink podcast is brought to you by Buns, your city network. Buns connects you to the people in your neighborhood to help you find the things you need to fuel your real life. Swap things you already have to get items you need. You can also find jobs that pay the bills, homes for rent, 
advice, and a place to talk about your city. Buns is available online at buns.com and on your phones via the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Man, I wish I could get new comics every month, but I'm broke and oddly always $5 short. Lame. Wait, five bucks short, you say? Well, I've got something special for you. What the hell was that? It's me, the discount ghost of Coupons Past. Are you scared? What the f- Use the code CGMEG in all caps, all one word, to get $5 off your next comic bento subscription. So wait, if I use the code CGMEG all in caps, all one word, I get $5 off my next comic bento? Yes, use the code CGMEG in all caps, all one word, and get $5 off your next comic bento. A whole $5, eh? Now that's scary. Thanks, Buns Podcast Network and Comic Bento. So, Phil, tell us about the movies you saw this week. Yeah, sure. So, uh, the big one I saw is uh, Murder on the Orient Express. How is that? It's okay. I think the big thing with with it was when I, when I like, when it was announced and I saw the trailer, my big question was like, why? Why have they done this? Why are we doing this again? Yeah, I get that. By the time it was over, I didn't really have an explanation. Uh, like it is, it it is well done for what it is. It's just a very, you know, it's it's a, uh, yeah. For those that don't know, it's the uh, Agatha Christie's classic murder mystery uh, st- uh, that um, has been adapted into uh, one one very popular movie in the seventies, uh, TV series, um, couple TV movies. They've done it many, many, many times. Yeah. Um, this time it's by Kenneth Branagh, who uh, it's part of he, yeah, who it's got to be the most like unexpected blockbuster director of all time. Like mm. he did make movies, um, like is some of his Shakespeare movies were fairly grandiose, and he made that um, not so great Mary Shelley's Frankenstein in the nineties. But oh, that was um, bad. Yeah, I don't think anyone sort of really anticipated him entering the space, but he made the original Thor, which obviously did rather well. And then he made uh, Cinderella a few years ago, which did even better. So as far as I can tell, Murder on the Orient Express exists because he just wanted to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. He stars in it and he uh, directed it and he clearly got um, a boatload of money and a lot of movie stars to do it. Um, And I can tell that he that he had fun. Um, I'm sure everyone had fun. It just ultimately. Yeah, it's it it just yeah, I, I just don't quite understand why they did it. Like, um. It's uh, it's they clearly spent a fortune on it. Um, can say yeah, there's can, some huge names in it. There's big names in it, and also oh, like yeah. for a story that takes place entirely between like three or four train cars, yeah. uh, the camera is flying around everywhere. There are tons of effect shots. Now, a lot of things from the that, trailer, for the trailer, it looks kind of like a comedy. Have they made it a comedy? Yeah, it is a little bit silly for sure. It's a little bit campy. Really? Um, That's yeah, weird because the original absolutely. movie, the original story was kind of serious. Yeah, I mean, there is a, a certain campiness to the 70s film. I'll do the jokes around here. Thank you very much. Yeah, there is a certain campiness to the 70s movie. This one is very ridiculous. Uh, Kenneth Branagh plays um, the detective as sort of a cross between uh, Sherlock Holmes and uh, Inspector Clouseau. So he has a very ridiculous French uh, accent, and he's doing all sorts of physical business. How does the mustache look? He's Belgian. He's Belgian, but he's Belgian, but the accent's still French. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the uh, 
his mustache is absolutely ridiculous um <laughs> and and like oh and like very overdone very massive um kind of like a, a little small metaphor for the entire movie itself i suppose Ooh, um, very clever phil thank you um, See, that's how a joke is done brennan yeah <laughs> he's probably and and his performance is, is probably the weakest. It's fine. It's just, you know, by virtue of the fact he was directing it as well, obviously no one was telling him to maybe like tone it down a little bit that the conversation clearly never happened. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone else is, is it, like they vary dramatically in quality. Um, uh, Josh Gad, uh, who like, I think can be fine in the right role is basically just doing, uh, just doing a lot of shifty eyes nonstop to try and look <laughs> as suspicious as possible. It gets very distracting. Um, uh, the, the best is probably Michelle Pfeiffer. She also has the best role, um, which if you've seen murder on the Orient Express or know the story, you'll know which role that is. Um, and allows, allows her to do a lot. And she, um, she, she, un, unlike, uh, uh, Brana has a, a really fine sense of how, when to exaggerate comedically, when to play it mm-hmm. dramatically, when to lead into yeah. melodrama. Um, it is, yeah, I don't want to make it sound like a horrible movie cause it's not like it works perfectly fine for what it is. It just felt very uh, old fashioned uh, to me um, as opposed to something uh, nostalgic, which is what clearly what they were more going for um, and, and just kind of overdone. And then it was particular and then it's particularly irritating in that in the end, um, they clearly go out of their way to try and set up a sequel. And it's clearly that's why they've done this is that they yeah. this is like something they want to expand into a universe following around. Uh, this Finally, we're getting the Agatha Christie universe. I mean, I've been absolutely, yeah. for years, but absolutely. Yeah. No, they have a very awkward moment at the end where they're like, oh, I'm sorry, Monsieur Detective, but you must go off because there was a murder on the Nile. Okay. Okay. Any of her other stories, really? Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's clearly why so much money was spent. I guess they're hoping this can be something that can be you know, essentially like a, a comic book movie for grownups that's slightly more mature, which I get because ultimately like Agatha Christie movies were the kind of like pulp goofy entertainment of their yeah. day. That day was just a long time ago. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's okay, but um, I, I just really hope it doesn't do well enough for there to be more of these because I don't need this every year. <laughs> now, I'm not looking for spoilers, but I just want to make sure, did they really follow uh, sort of what Agatha Christie laid down as a plot for the movie, or they kind of change it up and sort of rework it the same way that, you know, when Kenneth Branagh was working on Wild Wild West, they redid that story as well, you know? Yeah. He didn't direct Wild Wild West. No, no, no but, but they that. definitely changed Wild Wild West from what it was before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, this isn't a steampunk version of Murder on the Orient Express <laughs> Giant Spider. <laughs> I wasn't going for that. The screen itself kind of made it look very twee, very Wes Anderson-y. Yeah, it's very stylized. Like, there isn't... uh, I don't think there's a shot in the movie that isn't from some sort of ridiculous angle or spinning around 17 different parts. Um, Yeah, it's clear, like... You know, there's a Orson Welles used to do famous metaphor for describing being a film director as getting to play with the most expensive train set in the world. And this movie is literally that. Um, and and yeah. he's clearly having a lot of fun doing it. But um, I don't know how well that translates. I mean, I'm sure like if you are really into these types of drawing room mysteries and Agatha Christie, that this would just be like a catnip. Um, but uh yeah, I just I, I found it like decent, but just kind of mediocre, and, and and then I was deeply offended by the fact that they were trying to foist more of these on me. I will not stand for that. Yeah, we don't need more of them. No, no, no. So it's fine. 
Um, it's and yeah, it's totally fine. And then the other one, know. yeah, exactly. And then the other one I want to talk about, which is actually a great film, uh, is called uh, Three B- Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yes. Um, it's yeah, it's um, it uh, won the top prize at TIFF. I talked about it a little bit um, when I did my coverage of the festival. Um, yeah, you yeah, saw it at you, TIFF, right? I did, I did, yeah. um, and I saw it again and subsequently liked it uh, even more than I did the first time. So it's by oh, uh, written and directed by Martin McDonough, who's an award winning Irish playwright. He also did In Bruges. I love awesome. that movie. Awesome yeah, movie. Great film. Um, and this uh, is uh, along similar lines, but not uh, not quite as funny, um, given the subject matter. Uh, where so it basically Francis McDormand plays this um, very angry uh, mother in a small town in Missouri, who a year before her daughter was uh, raped and murdered, and the police never made any headway on the case. So she uh, buys three billboards outside of the city. And uh, basically calls out the detective asking why they haven't solved the case. And that leads to that just sort of like throws off everyone in the small town. Um, And, uh, you know, she's sort of marching around with uh, justified righteous anger trying to bring down the authorities. But what makes it really interesting is that um, as you well, it starts you're very much on her side and you, you always are, but uh, it starts like feeling the sort of movie where it's going to be someone, you know, passionately fighting for justice and getting it. What ultimately happens is that you sort of, as time goes on and you get to meet everyone, you realize the police aren't really corrupt. Um, they just genuinely came up against dead ends. Mm-hmm. They don't know what to do. And it's a really sort of interesting um, uh, exploration of hate and how, whether coming from a negative or positive place, ultimately, uh, clouds your judgment, um, makes it impossible for people to communicate to one another, and emerges something much more complicated while still being a kind of um, small town crime comedy murder mystery like uh, like like Fargo. Uh, let's say mm-hmm. uh, the cast is great. McDarmon's incredible. Um, Sam Rockwell plays a kind of uh, uh, idiot man child detective who Perfect. initially seems oh, absolutely, and he initially seems very goofy, but then as time goes on, you get to sort of really come to know him and he becomes kind of a, a very much a tragic play, uh, character all his own. Uh, Woody Harrelson plays the town sheriff who's uh, uh, not only struggling to deal with all this, but dying with can- of cancer at the same time. So that's not great. Um, Peter Dinklage is in it. Oh yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of moving parts and it really comes together in a really kind of beautiful way while at the same time uh, being sort of, uh, ambiguous enough to suit the sort of moral statement that uh, McDonough's trying to make. It's it's a really, really, really great film, um, and uh, I think it's going to be uh, one of the more uh, beloved and talked about movies this year when we get into that kind of uh, you know, uh, award season. So, uh, yeah. Loved it. Can't recommend it enough. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Sounds really great. So, uh, we just got an interesting news story that we just want to, it kind of came in as Phil was talking about so EA announced that it will acquire Titanfall maker Respawn Entertainment for $315 million in cash and stock with a possible bonus of $140 million. That's a big buy. That's... That is a huge buy. And now also, the circle's complete. Well, I mean, it, it, it's kind of the people that made... Yeah, you're right, Brian. The people that went started at yeah. EA with the Medal of Honor series, went over Activision, started Infinity Ward, then made a new studio, and now bought back into EA. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was saying. Oh, wow. Yeah, there was a long road for those guys. They apparently, uh, as far as I understand now, my history might be a little off, but as far as I understand, uh, they were having, what was it? Um, 
something West and Zampella with yeah. its, with the two heads yeah. back at that point. I don't think I think one of them left when uh, when Zampella is still of, there. You see, okay, okay. So West yeah. took off. So what happened was that um, a long time ago, let's say place. Station One Days, I forget exactly when, but back when Medal of Honor was still a franchise people yeah. cared about, uh, EA had problems. That was Xbox One, I think. The original Xbox. Yeah. It's so uh, EA Sports and uh, the guys who were making Medal of Honor, uh, Wes and Zampella, had a falling out, I believe, over how much money they were making. I forget exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wes and Zampella go over to Activision, remake the game that you know made them famous at EA. They called it... Uh, Call of Duty Four was it Modern Warfare? Was it Modern yeah, Warfare? Yeah, that was Call was, of Duty Four for sure. Yeah, they made Call of Duty Four, reinvented the shooter, had the same sort of issue with Activision, left Activision, went back to EA. You no, know, they started their own studio, separate studio, but it was published by EA. Okay, it was EA partner, I believe. Yes, it was a partnership. So it was a partnership with EA, and uh, now that this has happened. This breaking news now. Uh, Zampella is back with EA. There's your circle. There's your completion. After uh, about five hundred million dollars, how much? I, I gotta track this. I wonder how much money he's made, uh, like selling studios and creating franchises for these guys. I, it'll take me more uh, research time than we have mm-hmm. right now, but it's almost like he's made a career of ditching on these major publishers and going over. Cause part of the reason why he fell out with Activision is because he was shopping himself to EA. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a month before they, uh, Bobby Kodak actually walked into uh, infinity ward. Was mm-hmm. it? And like literally shut the doors for, Oh God, they, they shut those doors for a week. I think it was, it's been a while. It's been a while. So it's not all at the, t- at the front of my mind, but that for the most part is correct. It's a, it's an interesting move on EA, although <clears throat> this just after they basically closed down Visceral. Well, there's rumor has it that uh, well, just I'm reading right now is that they shut down Visceral in order to have the um, resources to make the acquisition. Of oh, that sucks. Again, Especially- that's that's you know just rumor right now on the old internet, but it makes sense. I mean, when you think about it. It does make a lot. It makes a lot of sense. It's just doesn't EA have? I guess this is a big buy, so they have they had to free up a lot of capital to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they have the money to probably do both. It's just I'm sure their investors wouldn't want them going that overextended. Yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully this is good for Titanfall and not bad. But if history has shown anything, as soon as the EA buys it, it kind of has a problem series. So, yep. Hopefully, it's better this time. Yeah, it doesn't not a lot of uh what's the word hope for the future positive will on uh on the forums here people are not super excited about that oh you mean people are kind of down on the internet wow <laughs> stop the presses oh well should we talk about shall we go into the games then yeah well since that seg because of that segue why don't we break into games so quinn you got your hands on call of duty world war Two this week I sure did on the Xbox One X, which it was awesome. I mean, that's the first and actually currently only game I've played on the One X. Uh, but yeah, it looks great. Like I, I was really floored by that. When like I am not historically, you know, an Xbox guy at all. I had no uh, hopes or biases really going into it. And yeah, it looked awesome. Uh, I've been really enjoying that, like from a visual standpoint. 
the game it itself. Look, sorry. I was going to ask, does it look that good? Like, is there a big noticeable difference between like the PS4 and the Xbox One, what they're able to do? I mean, I, I don't have a pro, so I don't really know where the line to draw there is. Um, but between mm. like the uh, regular PS4 and the Xbox One X, it's, I mean, I'm obviously not playing them on two different TVs side by side, but yeah, one definitely, definitely looks better. Like, just initially, you can tell that, uh, like, the lighting looks amazing. It's so much crisper. Uh, the 4K, I mean, it looks super high definition, which obviously, nice. that's what they're going for and everything, and that's kind of what they promised. Uh, and again, I don't have any other 1X games I can really talk about to compare to. I know you were you were playing them a lot the last two weeks, but uh, yeah, it looks awesome. Yeah, no, the 1X is a powerful system, I have to say. Yeah. And, uh, only, uh, I'm sorry, I've only played, like, uh, a couple of the games that were released like just before it came out, so I only got yeah. to play a couple of the Disney games and Lucky, Super Lucky's Tale. So that I can't really give you much of a comparison there. Well, yeah, it's fast. Uh, the lighting looks awesome. Um, and how is the storyline? Does it does it a uh, is it a storyline that actually fits with the subject matter, or is it one of bombastic just explosions? Like, how did they take the story? It's. Um, I mean, honestly, if you've seen Band of Brothers, um, mm -hmm. it covers a lot of that same ground. Um, they actually talked to uh, one of the guys from uh, the Hundred and First as well in preparation for this game. Uh, which I thought was kind of neat. Um, but basically, it just it follows the American uh, invasion of Europe uh, from D-Day onwards, basically kind of up until they get into Germany. So you're not getting anything new um, as far as uh, settings go. I mean, you're still in that European theater. Uh, you're still with a team of Americans. But, I mean, I'm a sucker for that subject matter, and uh, it's just I love playing in World War II again. I mean, I haven't played a Call of Duty since... Uh, I think the first Black Ops was maybe the one where I was like, you know, I'm I'm over this. So uh, th it's fun going back to World War II. Is it really though? I mean, because we've we've been able to see so much in terms of gameplay mechanics uh, advance, if you will, because you were able to put in like the rocket packs to let you run on walls and stuff like that. I I don't know. It just seems like going back to World War II would kind of be boring and it's not honestly i mean from my perspective i'm it drew me back in to kind of be more grounded again like i don't i don't care about running on walls and jetpacks and all the weird drops and stuff you can get it's fun just being in a blown out french town trying to shoot each other with mp40s mm -hmm. you're right like it's like i said it's well-tread territory it's nothing new it's just got a really really nice coat of paint on it but it's you know, it's exactly. I've been killing Nazis now between this and Wolfenstein for like three weeks straight. So, <laughs> so good times for you. Yeah, good times for me. I mean, <laughs> eventually I'll I'll have to go back to other games where you know you're not fighting Nazis. But uh, it's it's been a good couple of weeks. Yeah, I feel like it's been just long enough since uh, there's been a World War II first person shooter that there's probably like plenty of room that they can do new mm -hmm. things with it, just because the technology wasn't there mm -hmm. last time. Yeah, um, I still Did suck at the multiplayer. Big... Unfortunately, uh, well, you're not 14 years old, so my my skills are not as sharp as they once were. I'll just say that much. And there's so much; um, it's very overwhelming. I'm not sure. Like I said, I've been out of the Call of Duty ecosystem for quite a while, so I've missed a lot of, I guess, kind of tweaks and advancements in the multiplayer. But mm -hmm. there's so much unlockable and customizable things, and all these different cards and 
submissions and loot boxes and like that's a bit overwhelming i gotta be honest about that and how about the zombies how is the zombies mode uh the zombies mode is better i was never a huge fan of that myself because i'm not i don't like the like the horde gameplay of just like constant waves Mm -hmm. um but it's got a cool setting um the voice acting's actually awesome david tennant's in it uh from doctor who really really yeah and uh, you're like going to, I think, uh, like recover stolen artwork, um, uh, stolen Nazi artwork in Paris. And from what I've read, like I said, I haven't played a lot of the older or the more recent Call of Duty zombies, but they've gone back to making it a bit less goofy. It's not like oh, nice. scary or anything, uh, you know, like a real, like a survival horror game would be. But I mean, it looks like really ghoulish and and more uh, realistic is not the word I want to use, but... It's not the Treyarch zombie. Oh, it's not the zombie 80s dance party. That was the last zombies update that happened. Oh, okay. No, it's it's not that at all. I mean, it's, yeah. But I haven't played much of that, so uh, that's not really my thing as much. But it, it is, I thought it was neat. But more zombie veterans could weigh in on that. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. But I'm awesome. digging the game. Looks awesome um, in 4K. Didn't think I'd be sold on the Xbox One X, but uh, I'm digging it. And our readers can look forward to your review on that uh, this weekend, right? Yep, you bet. As well as my interview uh, with the developers of the game uh, will also be up this weekend. And a fun little mm-hmm. video I made about Nazis and video games. So, And that's an exciting one. I, I hope everyone tunes into that one because it's uh, I, I was laughing quite a bit. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, so that's, <laughs> yeah. Nazis and video games has been my life for the last couple of weeks. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you're the authority on the subject right now. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> anyway, um, and Brian, you played Need for Speed Payback. This yes, week. and who do I get to pay back for forcing me to do that, I wonder? Uh, moving right along. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you loved the game is what you're saying? It was amazing. Oh, I, I, and... did, I did give an 8 out of 10. Yeah, yeah you seem to really like it based on what you were saying. I liked the actual mechanics of driving around and drifting and racing. There was a couple of the uh, racing styles that had problems. Drag racing was basically hitting the right button at the right time to shift up or shift down. And Okay, so that really wasn't the best use of their time. But when you get down to the drifting mechanics or strip racing, uh, the only problem I had with the off-road racing is that every track looked like every other track, but it's a desert full of rocks. So what were you expecting in terms of variety? I don't know. Maybe some more colorful rocks. Uh, see, a lot of the other races, they go right from uh, racing the city to racing in the canyons it goes all the way around the map but by virtue of being off-road yeah the only place that the off-road races can go are off-road so it all <laughs> looks like the same same you know 50 meters of some dirt canyon and there you go but overall i did enjoy playing the game actually just playing the game yeah that's the fun part you know racing against the ai which do not do not give you any races easily it's fun like I said, hitting that perfect drift angle. It's all like once you get down to the actual racing of it, mm. it's good. But it's also a need for speed game. So it has problems with the story. The acting is kind of crappy. Um, there's just a lot of problems on the outside of now, it. Now, I played a bit of it at Gamescom. <clears throat> and what I saw was basically a Fast and the Furious storyline. Is that the same here? No, no. If I was to equate this game to another one, I'd say something more like Forza Horizon. Really? Burnout. There are those uh, need for 
or uh, Fast and Furious style missions right, that, right. that were really the focus of the marketing campaign for this game. But that's not what this game is. This oh, game, weird. this game is basically you are uh, forced into a revenge tale because you got screwed over by somebody. So you find that they have a weakness that you can exploit by dun dun dun. Illegal racing. street racing. Of course, yeah, that makes sense. So you drive all the way around this fake, and I do not know why they just didn't call it Las Vegas, but it's just this, Las Vegas. It's, it's this fake version of Las Vegas, Nevada, and What's some. It called? Um, Fortune Valley. Fortune, Fortune Valley. Valley. That's it. Yeah. Um, so you drive around Fortune Valley, um, just challenging all these uh, illegal street racing leagues to illegal street races as you do and you beat them and as you beat them you gain more allies and you prove yourself and it kind of actually turns into the need for speed movie yeah where somehow and i don't i don't I know how it is a need for speed movie i don't know how you could forget that every time i come on this podcast i mention it um <laughs> So somehow they took that plot line where you're proving yourself yeah, yeah. as an amazing street racer to get into the area's greatest uh, illegal but massive street racing event. Makes no sense, but okay. And by winning that, you manage to screw over the people who wronged you and thus get your payback. This makes literally no sense. The story, like I said in my review, the story buckles heavily yeah. under the pressure of trying to carry this game. I'm but it holds itself together enough to make it to the finish line. Okay, fair enough. That's cool. So, but it's a Need for Speed game. You're so, not playing it really for the story. Yeah, though. you kind of got to go go in knowing that the story is there. It's a story in a Need for Speed game, yeah. which has never been good. No, not one of them. Like I. What about the run? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, black box! How I we miss you. Um. Yeah, so if that is your major problem with this game, and a lot of people seem to be having that problem with this game, then I just feel like you're approaching this from the wrong angle. Hmm. Like games, no no game is perfect. Every game has flaws. And every time someone opens their mouth in this game, you realize what the flaw is. That's fair. The other one is also microtransactions, which everyone seems to have a problem with. And there is a problem with this game in terms of the flow of the game because in order to keep your vehicle competitive you have to constantly be upgrading it upgrades to be bought at the local tuning shop and there's a bunch of those around the map so mm. they're pretty easy to get to and also you can fast travel to which i have i haven't mentioned this to anybody yet but they charge you to fast travel it's really? a it's a very small amount it's minuscule it's it doesn't it doesn't matter it might as well be free but they made it a charge for some reason within game currency though right yeah it's in game currency okay. obviously but yeah. um uh the problem is that are the, they trying to encourage you to drive more in a driving game oh uh, they're probably just trying to encourage you to buy the in-game currency because so you can use it by loot boxes you can't quite buy the loot boxes straight up yeah but there is money that you can purchase with actual money so i'm going to call it currency you can actually purchase with actual money and then through a series of loopholes, just enough to make it seem like you're not actually buying loot boxes, you're buying loot boxes. I can't believe that in a game where the core mechanic is driving around that they have a fast travel option. <laughs> That's that crazy weird. to me. Well, it's like making a fighting game where you can skip the fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's just to the get thing. a new outfit for your Street Fighter character. 
they they do put in like events wait, around no, the wait. world. There is wasn't the tower in Injustice? There was. Oh, you can do it. You, you can, can get a. You can get an AI to fight for you to level your character up. Well, oh, yeah, there you go. Okay, <laughs> so, I'm, you go. I'm done video games. <laughs> it was fun. Uh, the reason why I use a fast travel is because driving around the world is full of events. It's a big open map. They mm-hmm. they all have been for the last couple of games. It's a big open map. You go around and you try and find uh, uh, races around. They have icons. So you just follow the map. Eventually you get there. But do you really want to spend like the two minutes will take you to drive to the closest tuning shop and then another five minutes to drive over the race? Sometimes you don't want to. So you just fast travel. You'll be driving enough in this game. You really do not lose anything from like fast traveling to your close, closest tuning shop. So I don't really see that as a problem. I thought it was weird that they tried to charge you money for it. Well, not money, like I said, in-game currency, but it's such a small amount. It doesn't matter. Uh, they do also, before we move on, we should clarify, you do get like an allotment of uh, loot boxes every once in a while. So it's not like you have to buy every loot box, but what bugs me about this game is that uh, Comics and Gaming was given the $100 premium version of the game to review. So as a result of that, a lot of loot boxes were dropped in my lap and I got a lot of currency for those loot boxes. Like every loot box pretty much gives you currency. You get three things. One of them is usually currency. Um, I don't know what the people who only bought the $70 version are going to do because they're not going to have as much currency as I had. And it got to points where I had to really grind for the currency. Now, really now, I'm sure what they'll do is jump online and race online because you earn currency that way. You don't have to spend any currency. You just like rack it up. So they'll, they'll probably get around it that way, but it's just a weird thing. All the, all the uh, upgrades are just a little too expensive. Mm-hmm. You don't really get enough money. It's just the, the currency in this game it's the tuning is just off a little bit and it's easy to fix, but right now it just, feels a little too off to make the game feel like the progression is smooth and natural. It seems Weird. to be a dominant feature in a lot of uh, what a lot of people are saying about the game. So hopefully the company will actually pick up on that and use that tweak. Yeah. I feel like the good thing about this game is that the issue is easily fixed. Yeah. It's just a matter of messing with the numbers that mm. give you currency. So they add in a multiplier for currency for everybody. And then there you go. You're, you're fine. And the game you know, the game is golden, but as it is right now, there are a lot of issues with it. One of them that one of the positives, though, is that they finally got the multiplayer correct. Okay. Now, I skipped the last uh, Need for Speed. Brennan, you did that one. That was good. The live action cutscene Need for Speed. Oh, which... that was so bad, but amazing. They chug Red Bull in like every scene. <laughs> and fist bumps. I oh, yeah. Fist bumps. There's so many fist bumps. That game's so, amazing. So many fist bumps. Let's let's say that the cutscenes are amazing. Let's be more specific. Okay, yeah, the game's kind of just generic. But the cutscenes are so bad. They're good. Um, it's like the room of cutscenes. <laughs> but before that, there was another game, uh, Rivals, Need for Speed Rivals. I, which, that was really good. Which, which I reviewed. Yeah. But the problem with that game is that there was only six people on the map. It was all online. Yeah. Everything was online. And there's no way for you to actually match up with anybody because everybody was spread across a huge map. Massive city. So you never saw anybody. They've taken 
multiplayer out of the single player this time. They made their own separate thing. That's good. So now everyone's organized into races. Okay. They're formed in a playlist style. So you jump into the lobby, you go for like five races. Whoever has the most points at the end wins. And if the loading times for that were not so long mm. that you could make a sandwich and have a nap, then I might have even given the game a nine. But the loading times really bring the game down. So, you know, if you like sandwiches, that won't be a problem. Yeah. Uh, but for a lot of people, especially if you suffer from celiac disease, um, they're just going to have to sit there waiting for the game to load. That's so not, that's unfortunate. Not a perfect game. But like I said, the core racing of it, the way they line people up yeah. to events, uh, the, the way multiplayer is set up. The things you're really going to care about in an arcade racer, those are fine. They're just wrapped in a lot of garbage. That's just not good. So, like I said, my review is on the site. I gave it an eight out of ten. I think it's. I think it deserves that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, our readers can totally check it out. Um, so I think we're about ready to wrap it up. What do you guys say? Yeah, um, I think we covered lots of good stuff today. It was, it was a good day, guys. It was <laughs> a very good day. Lots of news. But anyway, thanks everyone for listening. And if you like what you hear or you want to hear more about the things that we've talked about, you can visit us at cgmagonline.com. You can like and subscribe our, to our podcast on Buttons Podcast Net- Network, Apple iTunes, or any of your favorite podcast app. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at CG Magazine or Instagram at CG Mag Online and on Twitter at CG Mag Online uh, as well. Uh, you guys all have Twitter? B526. Bryological, B R Y A, logical. At that Phil Brown. No mm-hmm. Twitter for me. Ooh, and I'm at least awesome with no ease. Uh, you can also catch past episodes of Pixels and Ink on our YouTube channel, uh, also at CG, Mag- uh, CG Magazine. So like and subscribe to that channel. And thanks again to Buns Podcast Network and Comic Bento for sponsoring our podcast. From everyone here at CG Magazine, have a great weekend. Bye-bye.